Good morning and welcome to our second podcast only service. This will be March 29th. Uh, and, and let's just dive right in. I will warn you before we begin that these are verses that I am passionate about. So you may hear some passion in my voice uh, as I preach these today. Let's uh, let's first uh, let's first look at our uh, our memory verse for the week, or or the the, the verse that we're going to uh, focus on. It's Romans chapter ten, starting in verse nine. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So uh, let's kind of go backwards over the Roman road that we've been on. Stop number one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have a sin problem. And all means all. So you're not too far gone. It doesn't matter that you've committed this sin again and again and again. It doesn't matter uh, how, how bad you think you have been. You've just done what all have done, and that's sinned. And it also means that, that, uh, that you're not righteous enough on your own. You haven't piled up enough good stuff uh, to be accepted by God. All means all. All of sin. We all have a sin problem. We are born with a sin nature so bent towards sin that sin is inevitable. <clears throat> the second stop is the choice that we have to make. Romans six twenty three: The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all have a, a choice to make. Sin and death, or Christ and life. Sin is slowly killing you. It is paying the wages of death every day. But life begins in you when you trust Christ for your salvation. And so life begins in you and begins replacing the decay and death that's in you and continues to grow into eternity. Stop number three that we looked at last week, Romans 5, 8. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is God's great but. Every time we see but God, we see God intervening in human history and doing something impossible. He has done it here. While we were still sinners, before we ever recognized that, that God even existed, Christ died for us. So let's, uh, so let's continue and make our fourth stop on the Roman road of salvation. And this is sort of the mechanics of it. Who can call upon God? Who can be saved? How do we do it? What are, what are the steps? What do we do? And so let's read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's look first at the context now, we've talked at length about the, the larger context of the book of Romans, so let's talk immediate context. In chapter 10, 
Paul is explaining the difference between the law and faith. If you are if you are trying to follow the law, then you must do it perfectly. The difference is in faith. Faith is a matter of the heart. Faith is the matter of intention. Faith saves us from the law. The heart, and, and he also says here that the heart leads to the mouth. You know, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 12, verse 34. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what, what's in your heart comes out your mouth. So what does this say about God? It says God accepts faith in Christ as righteousness. In fact, he gives us righteousness when we place our faith in Christ. And righteousness, that means moral purity. You are ethically and morally pure by faith in Christ. Granted you, given you by God. It also says that God richly blesses those who call upon him for salvation. He doesn't only give salvation. He doesn't just rescue us from our sin problem. He gives us moral purity. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us guidance. He gives us his providence. He acts at, towards us as if we have never sinned. We are given salvation, and we are given the Holy Spirit as a down payment on that eternal life. Eternal life that begins in us and begins to replace the sin and decay and death that's in us. It says that God does not discriminate. Everyone means everyone. You're not too far gone. You're not out beyond salva the salvation offered in Christ. If you're thinking God can't possibly save you, you're wrong. If you're thinking God can't possibly forgive you again for this sin that you continue to commit, you're wrong. He can, and he does. And if you're thinking that you've piled up enough good works, you've, you've done enough good stuff that you think you're okay with God, you are also wrong. You must place your faith in Christ to receive this salvation. And it doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter your, your, your former religion, your former belief system. It doesn't matter your race, your color, where you live. Everyone who believes will not be put to shame. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone means everyone. So what does it say about us? It says that we already know that we have a sin problem. It says that our sin problem is a disease in our hearts. And, you know, we live from our heart. If there's a difference between what we say we believe and how we live, the problem is in the heart. We may say that we believe in God, but then live as if God doesn't exist. We may say that we worship God, but our lifestyle shows that we, we actually worship money or power or popularity or position. How we live shows what's in our heart. We have a heart problem. But it also says that our, our sin problem, our heart problem has a cure. And, and notice that the cure is applied directly to the disease. It's, it's applied directly to the heart. When we believe in our heart, our heart is changed. In fact, it's transformed. The light begins to overwhelm the darkness within us. Then how we live begins to line up with what we say we believe. It says that our mouth is connected to our heart. 
So if there's a problem in our language, the problem's in the heart. It's not in our mouth. It's in our heart. It also says that we are given salvation and righteousness by believing in Jesus and confessing him as Lord. I've said to you many times that that you cannot bifurcate Christ. You can't say that <clears throat> that Christ is your Savior, but not your Lord. He is either your Savior and Lord, or he is neither. And this says that you are the target, focus, and purpose of salvation. Jesus didn't come to save just a segment of the population. He didn't come just to save the holy, or the righteous, or the religious ones. He came to save you. As long as you are part of everyone, and everyone is a part of everyone. Everyone who believes will not be put to shame. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So what must we do? We must believe Jesus came to save you. Not just the religious folks, not just the holy ones, not just a certain segment of the population. And it doesn't matter whether your sin is 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago. Jesus came to save you. Believe that, which simply means to trust that Jesus died in your place on that cross and confess him as Lord. Now, I don't want you to understand these as two separate steps. It's not as if you must believe and, and then as a separate step confess. This is simply trusting Jesus and saying so. We, uh, we don't want to separate these into two separate steps when in fact it's one thing. Remember the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you trust Jesus, you will say so. It's not two steps, it's one. Trust Jesus and say so. Believe in your heart and confess him as Lord. So let's look at this phrase by phrase. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Remember, there's not a wide separation between your mouth and your heart. What, what's in your heart comes out your mouth. Jesus also said in Matthew 10, verse 32, Whoever confesses me before people, I will confess him before my Father. So, so again, it's a matter of trusting Jesus and saying so. Tell somebody that you, you trust Jesus. In the next phrase, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You know, at first glance, this looks backwards, doesn't it? It says, confess and then believe. But in the verses around this, if you look at the context, it says, believe and confess. I think this is to show us that this is not two steps. This is, this is to show us that what comes out of our mouth is from our heart. This shows us this close connection that if we trust Jesus and say so, we are saved. It, it's, it's, in a sense, the proof of your belief that you have trusted Christ for your salvation. How you, how you talk tells you what your heart is. How you act shows you what's in your heart. So trust Christ for salvation and say so. And then your life begins to transform. And then it says, you will be saved. Now, saved has become kind of a Christianese term. 
by that I mean it's used a lot in church, but we're not sure. We've kind of lost the idea of what that means. So the the definition is literally to be rescued and delivered from a direct threat. What's the direct threat here? The wages of sin is death. So to be saved is to be rescued from certain death. That's what Christ has done for us on the cross. Now I also want to point out here that it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you notice what's missing here? What's missing here is a list of, of, of stuff you got to do. What's missing here is a, is a list of, of acts of contrition or religious stuff that you've got to get done in order to earn your salvation. There's nothing about this that's earned. It is trust Christ and confess him as Lord. It is trust Jesus and say so. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And let me give you, let me encapsulate the New Testament for you right here. Jesus is born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a substitutionary death in your place on that cross, is risen from the dead and reigning today as Lord. That's it. Trust him for your salvation and say so. Jesus is my Savior and my Lord because I have trusted him and him alone for salvation. So think about this in, in, in terms of comfort and challenge. What is the comfort of these verses? The comfort is that we know where the, where the disease is. The disease is in our hearts. We have a sin problem, and that, and that sin problem begins in our hearts. And so our acts of sin all come from a diseased heart. As I said earlier, we have a, a sin nature so bent towards sin that sin is inevitable. So we have this problem, but the, the comfort is that the solution is applied directly to the disease. The, the, the cure is, is applied directly to the sickness. Our heart problem is solved by trusting Christ in our heart. And, and, and we are then made morally pure. It's as if you have never sinned before. And this, this salvation is not about your head. It's not about your hands. It's not about your feet. It's about your heart. It's a matter of the heart. And so once you trust Christ in your heart for this salvation, then you are saved. You are rescued from certain death. You are the target focus, and purpose of this salvation. Be transformed. Be transformed in your heart by trusting Christ and saying so. Now the challenge, the challenge is we want to make this more complicated than it is. We want to make this into a list of stuff that we got to do. Surely I have to have these lists, uh, uh, this I have to do all of these things to prove that I'm sorry for my sin. Surely, it's not as easy as just trusting Christ. I must have to do a bunch of religious stuff. No. Trust Christ and say so. That's it. 
let the transformation begin. You don't have to clean yourself up before you come to Christ. You simply trust Jesus died in your place on that cross, and you are saved. Trust that Jesus died to take and took your place on that cross, the sin you earned, and say so. It's as simple as that. We don't need to add to it. We don't take away from it. It's That's the gospel in a simple sense. Trust Christ for your salvation and say so. Trust that he rescued you from certain death and say so. I, I, uh, I want to pray with you. We want to continue to pray for this uh, COVID-19, for all of these that are affected by this. I know I'm, uh, I'm recording this in an empty church and it just feels surreal. So let's pray for, for all of those that are, that are affected by COVID-19. But first, let's take the step of faith. First, let's understand that, that if there's anyone, anyone listening, anyone within the sound of my voice that has not trusted Christ for his salvation or her salvation, let's take that step today. It's as simple as trusting Jesus and saying so. So let's, let's pray. Father, I know that I have a sin problem. I know that, that I have darkness within me. I know that I've said things wrong and done things wrong and thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I choose to trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. The death I earned, he paid. And so I ask you to, to begin to transform my heart, to, to turn death into life within me. And I call Jesus my Savior and my Lord this morning. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, let somebody know. Trust Christ and say so. Let somebody know. Send us a message on Facebook that, that you have trusted Christ today. Now let's pray for COVID-19 and all those who are affected. If you'll pray with me. Father, we know that you are in charge. We know, Father, that, that this did not take you by surprise. That you knew this was coming. That you have prepared your people for it. That you have prepared your church for it. I pray, Father, that your church stand up at, in this time in history. That your church once again become the church it was meant to be. That it serves its people. That it reaches out in your love to others. I pray for the first responders, the nurses, the doctors, Father, all of those who are directly involved in the fight against this disease. I pray that you watch over them. I pray your comfort and your peace for them. And I pray, pray your strength for them. And Father, I pray for those who do not have the disease but are affected by this uh, stay-at-home order, quarantine, uh, wherever they may be. I pray that you comfort them and give them peace and let them know, Father, give them the assurance that you are in charge and you have this in hand. 
we thank you, Father. We thank you that, that you are God and we are not. We thank you that you're in charge and that you, you will be glorified through all of this. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.